Hey, this is Brian Akar, host of Why I Left, here to let you know about an important cause for which I'm fundraising and need your support. Child trauma occurs more than you think. More than two-thirds of children reported at least one traumatic event by age 16. Since 1979, the Advocate Childhood Trauma Treatment Program has provided a range of specialized services for the treatment of and healing from experiences of trauma in the Chicago area. Knowing people who have experienced childhood trauma, I'm aware of its lasting impact. That's why, on October 13th, 2024, I'm back running the Chicago Marathon again, representing Advocate Health as a member of the charity running team and fundraising to benefit the program. Please visit the show notes and click the link for Be Run Chicago to donate to this cause. I appreciate any support that you could provide. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Thank you. Welcome to Why I Left, a podcast that explores the great resignation. I'm your host, Brian Akar. Join me as I chronicle real stories from real people about the reasons they decided to leave their jobs during the pandemic and what has happened since. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Why I Left. In today's episode, I chat with Dennis Keelan. Dennis is the founder of Zero In and a highly sought after consultant, coach, author, and speaker. He recently wrote The Accidental Solopreneur, which is a parable of someone who was burned out, left the corporate world, and found success on their solopreneur journey, which we're very familiar with on this show. Let's go check out his story. All right, welcome back. So our guest today is Dennis Geelan. Dennis is the founder and chief difference maker at Zero N, which is a company focused on helping businesses and leaders build a brand customers love and a company people are passionate to work for. He's also the author of The Accidental Solopreneur, which is a story about going from burnout to freedom. And I'm really excited to have him on the show to talk about his work and book. So, hey, Dennis, how you doing today? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Absolutely. I appreciate you joining. Now, prior to us talking a little bit about, you know, your book and your work, uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, your upbringing and where you call home. Okay. Yeah. So where I call home, I'll start there. So I'm, I'm in Ontario, Canada. It's really cold here right now. I'm the youngest of three boys growing up and my dad is Dutch. Just a little bit of background there about because uh, I'm going to get into risk aversion, and I think that's where I get some of that. <laughs> my my parents were the prototypical, you know, hardworking, get your education, get a good job, and then work hard and put a little bit away until you eventually retire. So that's that's the script that I was modeled for me, being the youngest of of three boys. I was always trying to try a little harder to uh, catch up with my older brothers. And that kind of gave me the the work ethic, I think, that I have today. No, absolutely. Now, what are some of the things that you've been passionate about professionally? Yeah, so I, I actually got my degree in computer science and started off as a software engineer. So I just loved being able to dig into a software program to, to figure out, you know, the complex issues and to be able to code and debug. And just it just felt like a puzzle to me. So that, you know, the first five years, I would say, of my software engineering uh, career was just, I was taking in so much and loving it and learning so much. And then 
eventually moved into management. And then that was a whole new challenge of, boy, how do I motivate people? How do I strategize? How do I plan for the future? How do I get everybody on the same page? So I would say the problem solving and the team leadership thing are, are two things that I've been passionate about throughout my career. Oh, it's great to hear. And, and now prior to going out on your own, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, your work journey and what were some of the things that worked well in the environments that you've been a part of? Yeah. So my work journey, I alluded to the fact that I was, I was pretty risk averse. So I had no inkling of starting my own thing. I, I like to tell people, I didn't even think I had an entrepreneurial bone in my body. Um, I was just a very corporate guy, which, you know, it, nothing wrong with that, unless you're putting all your eggs in one basket, which, and, and I found to be actually very risky. I didn't think it was at the time, but it turned out to be very risky because I was progressing nicely. I was moving into management. I was taking on new challenges. I was going from one company to another eventually and moving up the ranks until at the age of 43, for the first time ever in my life, I was laid off. And that's when I found out, boy, putting all my eggs in one basket, following that script isn't so safe, isn't as safe as I thought it was. There, there's risk in doing that as well. And that's when things really started to change for me. Yeah. Talk, you know, talk a little bit about that. I mean, cause at the time we're having this conversation in the news specifically, especially in the tech industry, so many layoffs that are happening, uh, so many layoffs across multiple industries because of the pandemic. So what was that experience like for you to, to be laid off at that age? Yeah. It, it completely blindsided me. I did not see it coming. My initial reaction was why well, I need to jump right back into the script, right? I just got to find another corporate job and continue the path that I was on because I was so risk averse, because I was so bought into this script. That was my immediate reaction. But it wasn't until maybe a week or two had gone past and things had settled down a little bit. And I had some conversations with my wife and she said, you know, you've talked a little bit recently about what would it be like to start your own thing? Wouldn't now be a great time? You, you've been given time. You've been given a severance package. You're 43, so it's not like you're trying to start over again at 70, right? You're still young enough. Why don't you give it a try? So I, I can imagine with the landscape today, and this was four years ago for me, by the way, but a lot of people finding themselves in that same boat right now, laid off, not expecting it. Boy, if they have an inkling, if they've thought about doing it, if they are now given an opportunity, you know, financially, if they have a severance package, if they've got a bit of a cushion there, if they've got a runway, now might be a great time to to dive in and, and try and bet on yourself. Right, definitely. And and so so that was the kind of the impetus to to start consulting. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I probably never would have done it if I wasn't pushed into it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So would love to kind of take you back now. So obviously this, this show in its current format, right? We talk a lot about, you know, the great resignation and things like that. And one of the reasons I, I really wanted you to, to, to come on is because I, we've been speaking with a lot of folks who have used the pandemic as a time to reevaluate what they're doing in their lives. Mm -hmm. So I want to take you back to March of 2020 and COVID really hits us, right? We're introduced yeah. to the pandemic. So what were some of the things that that you started to learn during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I was already about a year and a half into my solopreneur journey as a one man consulting company. Leading up to that, 
I had a lot to learn. I, I was so naive when I went off on my own. I just thought, hey, I've got 20 plus years of corporate experience. I'll just announce to the world that I'm a consultant and clients will start knocking at my door. Flooding in. <laughs> You're right. That was my, my dream. The reality was I had a ton to learn about branding, about marketing, about sales. Because my corporate background was always on the operations side, I had a lot to learn there, but I enjoyed that learning. And because I had that runway, the severance package, and I had the support of my wife, it made it a lot easier. So fast forward to March 2020, I'm now in a position where, hey, this is actually working. I figured out my brand. I figured out how to market my services, how to package my my offering, how to sell it. And it was working. And then along comes the pandemic. Well, that threw a wrench in everything. So for me, probably because I just had recently gone through a major, you know, a thing coming out of left field being laid off. It, I felt like it prepared me for, boy, I now had to pivot again. So that mindset was, hey, I just did it. I just bet on myself. I just learned how to do this. I can handle this. I can pivot my business. And the first thing I did was say, okay, I've now been given time again. I had just done a bunch of consulting. So I had a good financial cushion. I'm going to sit down and write a really good book that is going to, you know, really enhance my authority, my credentials, give me some more cachet so that when we start coming out of the pandemic, I've got another thing behind my name that's only going to help my consulting practice. So that's when I sat down and wrote the zero in formula. Got it. And, and from a client standpoint, what did you notice anything with the needs of your clients changing during this time? Oh, huge. I think that at first it was just total confusion. What does this mean for our business? And I had a bunch of consulting engagements lined up. I had a bunch of workshops lined up. Those were all either canceled or put on hold. And the answer I was getting from everybody is, we don't know what this means. We have to figure this out. Are we going to pivot and actually grow through this? Are, is this going to hold us back? Are we going to have to shut our doors? So in the beginning, it was a bit of a wait and see. And then once things started to calm down a little, then all of a sudden there was much more need for consulting services like mine. Okay, we think we have got a better idea of the landscape. Can you come in and help us map this out? So it actually, I would say, probably increased the need for consultants uh, once you know the 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 water started to get a little bit more clear. Um, people were really starting to see a need there. No, definitely. And so, did you change kind of the way you worked? During this time, like what were what were some of the things that 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 you picked up? Yeah, before the pandemic, I was having a lot of success with running in person workshops. That obviously could not happen during the pandemic, right? Um, so I immediately tried to switch and do those online. Well, so did everybody else. So <laughs> that became a pretty crowded space pretty quickly. Online webinars, online workshops, and to be honest, I didn't really enjoy it because. When you're there physically in a room, there's an energy, right? You get all these discussions going on. You get breakout sessions. You get people writing on the whiteboards and sticky notes. And uh, it's really hard to replicate that in an online session. Yes, you can still have breakout rooms. And yes, you can still use something like Mural for people to brainstorm. It's just not the same. So admittedly, I had a rough time in the beginning. And I had to really figure out how do I still deliver some value, but in a way that I'm enjoying myself and in a way that 
my clients are enjoying themselves. So I really uh, had to play around with a lot of different tools, a lot of different um, things I was trying. And I'd say I probably switched more to just doing speaking engagements and less consulting during that time and until things started to ramp back up again. Got it. So, you know, looking back, what's, what's one thing you think you would have done differently during the pandemic? Yeah, it's hard to say. It's, it's always that if we, if we (laughs) knew then what we know now, right. Um, I probably would have explored some other marketing avenues. The book worked out really great for me. The zero one formula ended up hitting number one bestseller on on Amazon in several countries. It got translated into Spanish, got me on a whole bunch of podcasts, and it opened me up to a whole new market. But that was the only, that was the one real thing I actually doubled down on. I wish I had to double down on two or three more things like that and could have exposed myself even more. Got it. Now, now you referenced that layoff, right? Got you started in consulting. Obviously, I just mentioned there are many folks who were experiencing similar downsizings now. What was one thing that surprised you about starting your business, having come from that corporate environment? I think what surprised me was how little I actually knew about starting my own business. I, I thought I would just from my experience. And like I said, 20 years in the corporate world, okay, I've got this. I had a lot to learn. And I was probably a little too prideful in the beginning as well. Oh, I got this. People will just line up at my door asking for my services. So I had to humble myself. I had to do a lot of learning. I had to really reach out to some other people for mentorship and guidance and do a lot of reading, do a lot of experimenting. It was a lot harder to market and brand and package my services than I had imagined. And probably the biggest mistake I made in the beginning was going way too broad. I just announced myself as a management consultant. Well, what the heck does that mean, right? For who? For what problem? So I quickly had to learn. I needed to really get specific with my niche. What specific problem am I solving for what specific group of businesses or industry so that I can be seen as that credible expert that they're looking for, right? It seemed counterintuitive to me at the beginning. If If I keep it more broad, I can do more work for more companies, but now I wasn't appealing to anybody. So that was a huge learning curve for me. What were some things that kind of kept you optimistic during that time? Because I imagine, you know, and people who have gone through that, regardless of age, but especially when you're later in or mid-career like that, that's a blow, right? Especially like you mentioned, it it came out of left field. So what what were some things that kept you optimistic? Probably two things. One, I love to learn. And boy, I had a lot to learn. Uh, So I really enjoyed that journey. Every day there was new enjoyment because I was learning and applying something new. So just that in itself was enjoyable. Wasn't always turning into fruit at the end of every day, (laughs) but at least I was being productive and learning. So that was good. The other thing I would say is, is the support of my wife. Very supportive, very positive. We had kind of had an agreement right from the beginning that, listen, Dennis, give this an entire year. If you don't want to feel regret 20 years from now, give this an entire year, really bet on yourself, really give it your all so that 20 years from now, you're not going to look back and say, man, I wish I had a... So having that permission, having that support, having that positivity from my wife just meant the world. And that that really helped me through. 
That's awesome. Kudos to your wife. Okay. <laughs> Kudos exactly. To your exactly. Wife. I know it's not easy. <laughs> and so you've mentioned it a couple of times your first book, uh, you know, the zero in formula yep. was a bestseller, multiple countries, uh, in multiple countries, translated to a variety of different languages. Tell us a little bit about the origins of the book and its impact. Yeah. Right before the pandemic hit, I, I was talking to different consultants on how did they grow and scale their business. And a few of them had said, it was when I released my book. That's what did it. It, it, it took what I did and it packaged it and it put my name on it and it gave me more credibility. And I was thinking, yeah, you know what? Now that I've figured out my niche, now that I figured out my services, now that I've worked with a bunch of companies, I can take what I do, my formula, and put that into a book. I just hadn't started because I didn't have the time. And then the the pandemic gave me the time. So that's when I really doubled down, talked to a lot more authors, really wanted to do a good job on this. How do you do this? What do you do? What does it look like to market the book, to write the book, to, you know, and uh, one of the first pieces of advice I got was find a good editor. Because <laughs> as good as you think your writing is, an editor is going to fix it for you. So I learned a ton about the book writing process and really doubled down on that. And uh, it was exactly like the different uh, consultants slash authors had told me. It, it just took zero in to a whole new level. That's awesome. Now, your latest book, right? The Accidental Solopreneur mm -hmm. really helps others start their own business. Yeah. So. Talk a little bit about your process for creating this book and what you hope people get out of it. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I never meant to go down this road. When I was first starting Zero In, I didn't even think I would be an author. I didn't think I'd be a speaker. I thought I would just consult. What I found was those other things end up actually going together quite nicely and they were fun to learn. What I also found was, boy, when I'm sharing my journey online, when I'm building in public, and and I started doing this pretty much from day one of zero in on LinkedIn. I started sharing, here's what I'm doing. Here's what's working. Here's what's not working. I started getting quite a bit of attention from other people who were curious and wanting to do something similar. So throughout those first few years, I was doing a ton of Zoom calls. Hey, Dennis, I'm starting my own consulting company. Can I pick your brain for a few minutes? Hey, Dennis, I'm thinking about writing a book. Can I pick your brain for a minute? Hey, Dennis, I want to get more speaking engagements. Can I pick your brain for a minute? And I was happy to pay it forward and just download, you know, anything that has been given to me as advice, I wanted to, to give it to others. And then it finally dawned on me, boy, this is a whole secondary market for me. Exactly. Right? I can package this same group of advice that I am giving out on these Zoom calls. I can write another book. So I did. I said, okay, I'm going to sit down and write another book about how do you actually go from leaving your corporate job and starting your own one-person business, only this time I'm not going to do it in a nonfiction way. That was the zero-in formula was, was your typical nonfiction book. This time I want to write it in a fictional parable. I, I love a good business book that's told in the form of a story and you get attached to the characters and you like the drama, but you're learning throughout it. I wanted to learn how to write a book like that. So now I found myself a completely different editor, uh, a fiction editor this time to help me build characters, build the storyline, add in suspense, but still weave in all these strategies and tips throughout the book. So because I love to learn, again, that was a great project for me to sit down and say, okay, 
how am I going to take all this advice and wisdom that I've been giving out, mold it into a story, build characters and format that into a book. So that's really where the accidental solopreneur came from. I love that. And I think the timing of it, of that type of content is really perfect because mm -hmm. of whether it's folks who were actually laid off or folks who, as you know, according to this show, right, have resigned voluntarily yeah. because they have all of this extra time. And so, you know, it's funny, I was having on a call the other day and we were talking about the uptick of uh, entrepreneurs. And specifically, there's, there's a lot more, at least in the US here, 49% of kind of the new small business applications are by women, right? And so you see like this exodus from the workforce uh, of women but then it's not, you know, it's like, oh, why are they leaving the workforce? Well, they're not, they're leaving the, the, the formal workforce, but they realize they're going to do their own thing. Right. And so I, I kind of love, you know, playing with the data like that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love hearing, you know, what sparked you to write it now. What, what do you, what do you think is kind of a common misconception about solopreneurs? We'll be right back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Are you struggling with mental health issues but find it difficult to make time for in-person therapy? BetterHelp has got you covered. BetterHelp is an online therapy platform that connects you with licensed therapists from the comfort of your own home. With BetterHelp, you can access professional counseling whenever and wherever you need it on your schedule. And the best part? It's affordable, confidential, and easy to use. As the host of Why I Left, I know that life can be tough sometimes. And that's why it's important to take care of your mental health. BetterHelp offers a wide range of services, including individual counseling, couples therapy, and even online group sessions. So whether you're dealing with depression, anxiety, or any other mental health issue, BetterHelp can provide the support you need to feel better. Sign up for BetterHelp today and start living a happier, healthier life. And as a special offer for our listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp by visiting betterhelp.com slash why I left. That's betterhelp.com slash why I left. Take care of yourself. There's a lot of gurus, I would call them, on social media that make it sound like it's easy. And hey, anybody can do this. In The Accidental Solopreneur and in a lot of the content I put out on social media, I try and dispel those myths. Yes, here's some blueprints. Yes, here's some things you can follow. Yes, here's some best practices. It's not easy. There's going to be all kinds of challenges you're going to run into. There's going to be competition. How do you stand out from the competition? There's going to be bad clients. How do you deal with that? There's going to be days where you don't feel like you can sell your, your services. How do you deal with imposter syndrome? How do you deal with growing and scaling the business? There's all kinds of things that you're going to run into that are going to cause sleepless nights that are going to cause you to doubt yourself. And I want people to be prepared for that. So if you just look at these gurus online and what they're putting out there, hey, make it looks easy and anybody can start this over a weekend. Maybe you can start a side hustle. Maybe you can start making a little bit of money on the side and then slowly grow that over time, which is actually a good way to do it. I would never tell somebody, Hey, quit your nine to five and, and, and start this fresh tomorrow. I was lucky to have a severance package, but it does take time and there is a lot to learn. And as long as you are patient and as long as you enjoy the learning and as long as you go in with your eyes wide open, it could be a really fun experience. But if you're expecting overnight success, 
you, you better check your expectations at the door. Uh, absolutely. You know, one of the things I love that you, and obviously I follow you online, we met on LinkedIn. When you post the stories about happy accidents, I find those things so intriguing, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think it was Kodak was a few weeks ago. And so it's all those little things. I was actually telling my wife about that because, you know, you, you, you stumble on these things. People have an idea for one thing and then almost very similar to, to, to you, you found out, well, wait a minute, there's this secondary market that's happening that maybe I can explore, right? Mm -hmm. Not exploit, explore, because it's, yep. it's one of those things where you're given value. And so I always, yep. always love, love those, uh, those posts when you, when you, when you put it out there. I, I, I enjoy them myself. I enjoy researching them. I enjoy <laughs> yeah. writing them. And it's always just fun to see how did these brand names that we know today, just so many of them happen by accident either the product or the industry or whatever it is that they ended up creating was a fluke. They, it wasn't something that they intentionally went out to do, but circumstance and timing and a bit of luck. Yeah. It's fun to go back and, and see how some of these things unfolded. No, oh, absolutely. Now understand you're also helping people write books and full disclosure. Look, I was in your course. I found it super useful. At some point I, you know, I needed some, some help really organizing what I will eventually like to turn in, in into a book, right? And I thought, you know, the author's playbook was very helpful for that. So tell us a little bit about the author's playbook and and, and the course that you're running. Yeah, that was uh, another one of those things where, hey, if, if people are constantly asking to pick my brain about it, how do I take all the tips and strategies I have and package them? So along with the Accidental Solopreneur, I created an online course called the Solopreneur Playbook where you can dive deeper into, hey, if you want to figure out your own niche, if you want to figure out how to package and market and sell your services and then you know, grow an audience, here's an online course that'll dive deeper into that. But I was still getting all kinds of people saying, okay, but what about a book? Can you help me with a book? I'm like, okay, so I guess I better put a course together with all my advice on how to write, how to edit, how to publish, how to market. Uh, a good book. So that's where the author's playbook came from. Tons of people have already bought and taken the course. I just released it maybe a month or so ago. So I'm excited to see, you know, what kind of books come out of it in 2023 and just cheer these people on. But I'm getting lots of great feedback from everybody that's taken the course and saying, oh, wow, I, it, it felt like this big daunting challenge in front of me. And now I feel like I have a roadmap and I feel like I have somebody there telling me at each step of the way, you can do this and here's how. So it's, it's just so rewarding to, to see people enjoying and, and diving into the course. Yeah. That's, that's what I really appreciated too. Cause you know, when I, I've had multiple book ideas before I've written none. Right. And so, because it seems like this, this huge thing, like, Oh, I'm going to write a book and how many pages does it need to be, you know? Yeah. But you walk us through and it's almost, you know, when you take those surveys and you don't get to go to the next question until you kind of fill this out. Yeah. That's what I really liked because it makes it a bit like, you know, little bite size uh, pieces of it. It's much easier for me to digest and get my, get my thoughts on paper. And so it's, it is one of my 2023 goals Nice. to, uh, to start working through that thing. So I have it well, all. I'm going to hold you accountable. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, I appreciate that. Now, a part of the show, we love to, you know, give advice to the folks who are listening from the guests that we bring on. And so, you know, for those who are looking to become solopreneurs, what are six steps that you would advise them to take? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to start with step zero. 
which is set your expectations correctly. Start it as a side hustle. Start it, you know, so that you you don't expect I'm going to quit my job tomorrow and do this. So set your expectation level appropriately. And then step one is find your niche. And that this could take you six months, right? But what specific problem are you best equipped and enjoy solving for what specific group of people? And try a bunch of things. When I started zero in, I changed my niche probably four times. And some some of the niches that I had were actually successful, but I didn't enjoy it that much. So I didn't want to envision myself continuing to do that. So really take some time to figure out your niche. And my advice there is, as soon as you think you've gone really specific, I would encourage you to go one step more specific. People want the credible expert. So how can you be that very specific expert for that very specific group of people? So a quick example here would be, don't just be a book editor, be a nonfiction book editor for first time authors, right? How can you make it more specific so that somebody who's writing that specific type of book is going to say, oh, I need Brian to edit my book, right? Step two then would be focus on building credibility. In the beginning, you may have to do some work for free or discounted. Remember, you're doing this on the side in the beginning because what you want are testimonials. What you want are people to vouch for the results that you get. So if you're not able to charge money yet because you're new, do some stuff for free, ask some people if you can do it for them, whatever, but you're after those testimonials and collect them like they're gold because once you've figured out your niche and once you've got half a dozen testimonials, that speak to the results that you get, now you're going to be off to the races. You are that credible expert. So then next step would be, how do you package your services in a way where you're not having to trade your time for money? This is a mistake that I see a lot of solopreneurs make is, here's what I do and I'll charge you 150 bucks an hour. Well, one of the first things that's going to go through your client's mind is, well, how many hours is this going to take? And immediately there's a bit of skepticism. Did it really take Dennis 10 hours to do that? And what happens if you get really good at your job? Now it takes you less time. You're going to make less money. So you have to find a way to package your services in such a way that you can sell it like a product. What is your five-step process? What is your three-step methodology? What is your proprietary system? Sell that at a fixed price and focus on the results that it gets. Get your client away from trying to equate your time with money. You want to get as far away from that as possible. So now that you've done that, you've set yourself up as a credible expert with an incredible offer that is at a fixed price. If you, if you can do that, now you really got to learn how to sell it. So really, really double down on understanding sales. Where are your ideal clients? How do you attract them? How do you engage with them and build a relationship with them? How do you have that conversation where you're uh, coming across as somebody that's just there to solve their problems? not coming across as a pushy salesy person. So that would be step four. And then a lot of people might stop there and I'm great. I've got this great offering. I'm seen as a credible expert. I'm selling it at a pretty high ticket. I'm fine. But if you want to take it further, if you want to scale your business, that's where you can get into. Now I can have online courses. I can have cheat sheets. I can have books. I can have these other assets that I build and sell for passive income. But that's actually step six. If you want to have those things, you need a pretty good size audience. So step five would be, how do you build that audience? 
How do you build an audience mostly through social media so that it makes it a lot easier to sell books, courses, cheat sheets, whatever it is that you build as digital assets? Those would be the six steps that I typically work through with somebody who wants to follow a similar path that I took. Oh, I love that. I love that. Absolutely. And I think that's important. And I love step zero, right? S setting your expectations, because back to your earlier point around, you know, the guru is making it look easy. It's really not. And so there, there needs to be some, some, I love that you throughout your content that I see online, you really, you know, put that realism in there for folks to like, Hey, you know, it, it, it could be hard. And, you know, I had one guest, uh, actually, oh yeah, how, how we met, uh, there was one guest when I interviewed Keith, you know, Keith, Keith, let people know this yep. is not for everybody. Mm -hmm. right? And I love that he, that he said that because yep. it's true, right? This is you know, going down this route. Uh, it, it's not for everybody. And so I, I love that you all kind of put that realism into what solopreneurism or solopreneurship. I, I, I think it's so important. Is. People yeah. need to have their eyes open. They need to have the right expectations. Otherwise they're just setting themselves up for disappointment. Agreed. So now burnout is, is a really a hot topic across mm -hmm. industries. And so for those looking to mitigate burnout, well, let's say stay within their current job. What's one thing that you would suggest? Yeah, you, you've hit it right on. Burnout can happen anywhere. It, it doesn't matter if you're in a corporate job or if you start your own solopreneur business, whatever. The temptation to be a workaholic can happen in any industry, in any atmosphere. And that, that's actually a secondary storyline that I added to the accidental solopreneur because the other thing I don't want people to to go in thinking is, oh, I'm going to leave a corporate job. I'm going to start my own business. And now I'm going to have all this time on my hands. It could actually be worse. You could go from working 40 hours a week in your corporate job to working 80 hours as a solopreneur. It's really about setting boundaries. It's really about setting expectations. It's about prioritizing your time. And it's this mindset of what is my goal? Is my goal just to build a big business and make as much money as I can? Well, you might end up working 120 hours a week. Or is your business or your, your goal actually to have some control over your time, some flexibility over your time? And that's why the subtitle to The Accidental Solopreneur is From Burnout to Freedom, because the main character in the book actually struggles with that. In his corporate job, he is a workaholic. And one of the intentions he has when he decides to leave is, I'm going to design a new life for myself. And one of the challenges he faces is once he starts actually getting some success in his one-person consult, uh, consulting business, is he, is he turns into a workaholic again in his own business. So then he has to struggle with, wait, that's not why I did this. How do I get out of that cycle? Anybody can face it no matter what job they're in. It's really a mindset. And there's, you know, a lot of uh, advice I try and give in the accidental solopreneur to, to help people get out of that workaholic burnout mindset. That's great. That's great. Well, Dennis, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I loved hearing this story. There's so many parallels to what's happening right now uh, for folks who are, you know, either voluntarily leaving, but also maybe experiencing layoffs. So I'm glad that, that, you know, you and I connected, uh, but would love for you to share where our listeners can support you. And I heard we got a special offer as well. Sure. Yeah. So um, I guess the two best places to uh, come across or get a hold of me, one would be my my website, dennisgeelan.me. There you can find access to books, courses, coaching calls that I offer. 
uh, or if you just want to connect directly with me, probably LinkedIn is the best way to uh, get in touch with me. I love connecting with new people. I love uh, in- engaging on people's content and, and vice versa. So those would be the, the the two best ways to get in touch with me. Awesome. And I uh, understand, you know, we have a, uh, a special discount for for folks who are interested in the in the author's playbook. Tell us a little bit about that. That's right. So anybody listening to this podcast, I'm sure you'll find in the show notes a, a link to uh, to get a discount on the author's playbook online course. If you're if you're one of your goals in 2023 is to get a book out there, then hopefully you you grab a copy of the course and uh, it's a step by step guide that takes you all the way through. Awesome. I really appreciate uh, you doing that and offering our our listeners that. Uh, so I want to thank you for all that info. I'll be sure to share all of Dennis's info, as well as the discount code, as well as the link uh, to the book, to the author's playbook. And again, I want to thank Dennis Geelan for joining me today. I'll share all of his info in the notes and I hope you all have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Dennis. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Brian. Great resignation, people leaving their jobs in droves. There's a lot of buzz happening in the job market of late. Now, did you or someone you know leave your job during the pandemic and want to share your story? We've been having some really good conversations in this space. So if you're interested, I'd love to have you join the program. If so, here's how you can do it. First, you can email us at hello at whyileft.co. That's hello at whyileft.co or visit us online at whyileft.co. That's whyileft.co. Look forward to having you join the conversation. Thanks again for listening to Why I Left. Be sure to join us next time for more stories from the Great Resignation. Visit us at www.whyileft.co. That's whyileft.co. And subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, podcasters. It's Brian Akar, host of Why I Left. Are you ready to take your show to the next level? I've got a game changer for you. Meet Dave, the genius behind apodcastgeek.com and the man who keeps me and why I left looking and sounding so crisp. Whether you're a seasoned podcaster or just getting started, Dave's got your back. He's the go-to producer for podcasters who demand nothing but the best. At apodcastgeek.com, you can easily order your next episode. And the best part, got a special offer, is you'll receive 10% off your first order using code BA10. That's right, 10% off to kickstart your podcasting journey by simply using the code BA10 at checkout. Now, don't wait. I know you've been thinking about starting a show, and maybe this is your sign to just get out there and do it. So what I want you to do is visit apodcastgeek.com, sign up, and start creating amazing content. Dave and his team are simply amazing, and you won't regret it. At apodcastgeek.com, they're going to help you reach new heights with your podcast. And of course, tell them that Brian from Why I Left sent you. See you soon.